The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. If you've got a funny feeling that your current job isn't doing it for you or you're itching to try something new, it might be time for a pivot. That's today's episode. From LinkedIn News, this is Get Hired, a podcast for the ups and downs of our professional lives. I'm Andrew Seaman, LinkedIn's managing editor for jobs and career development. Each week on Get Hired, we talk about leveling up. Sometimes we talk about finding work. Other times we talk about excelling where you are right now. And through it all, we focus on how to stay true to yourself in the process. We've talked a bunch over the last few years about career transitions, and for good reason. The great reshuffle, as we call it around these parts, saw millions of workers change career paths and companies for greener pastures. But today, we're talking about something a little bit harder to pinpoint. How do you know when it's time to make a pivot, and how do you start making that change? Luckily, I have an expert guest. Jenny Blake, author of the book Pivot, The Only Move That Matters, is your next one. She's coached tons of people on making career changes large and small. To start, I asked her to share how she became such a pivoting aficionado. I've been involved with companies of all sizes. My first job, I took a leave of absence from UCLA to work at a startup. I was the first employee as I grew to 30. And when I hit a plateau there, or what I now call a pivot point, I didn't have the courage or the skills to have that conversation with the founder. He was this brilliant intimidating Stanford economics professor. So our first and last career conversation was my two weeks notice. Mm -hmm. Then I moved over to Google. I was there five and a half years. And then I launched out on my own, having no clue if I could make it. And here we are now, over 11 years later, of running my own delightfully tiny team and business. So across that arc, there have been so many moments where I was not sure what's next. And I was getting Board and then beating myself up about it, saying, what's wrong with you? These are all dream jobs. I had this self-talk of shame and blame, like I'm never going to be happy. I'm one of those self-entitled millennials that the media keeps talking about. And that's what motivated me to at least look into this notion of accelerating change and adopt that mantra, if change is the only constant, let's get better at it. Mm-hmm. And I think part of what really sparked my interest in this was while working at Google, Google had put such a premium on hiring the best and the brightest, but less effort at that time because it was still a younger company. How do you keep them? And so inevitably, in my first role there on the training team, I was training all these brilliant people who were coming from the top universities all around the world. And then a year into their tenure, they would come up to me because I was their first trainer and go, Jenny, I'm getting kind of bored. So I wrote Pivot for people I consider high net growth, that if you're high net growth, of course you're going to get bored more often than what the statistics about average job tenure would say. And if we could embrace that and then embrace a shared language to talk about change, specifically career change, both within your role, within the organization, and then, of course, sometimes pivots to another company, then we could all relax a little bit and just have less of that external Blame and shame that yeah. that just really gets in the way of clarity. And I, you know, going back to your career, you know, when you were making these changes and, you know, going from opportunity to a new opportunity, was it intentional or, you know, were you doing it and then looking in hindsight, you're like, oh, 
you know, I'm happy I did that. That's a good question. It also, in the in the moment, it can feel so scary. And I think what's interesting about the word pivot and why I landed on that ultimately is that in hindsight, they're not totally out of the blue and they're the changes seem to make a whole lot more sense. And I don't mean to say that the minute we get bored, like every time I just got the faintest whiff of boredom, I started to make a change. Yeah. But I don't think we have this internal compass that's saying, yes, you know, you're in the right place and you're making an impact and you're learning and growing and thriving and doing work that aligns with your skills and interests. And so whenever I start to feel that that has really gone sideways, that's where I start to investigate. And yeah, to your question, from that moment of investigation, it often starts by feeling crazy. (laughs) Like there's something wrong with me. (laughs) Why can't I just suck it up and do this? Yeah. And I guess, you know, even taking a step back, I think it's important to sort of set the scene of who might benefit from a pivot. How do you know you're ready for a pivot? One of the big secrets of pivoting is that, and I think the pandemic really showed us this, we're almost always in a continual state of pivot. And here's what I mean by that. You could wait and think, am I ready for a pivot? Or who is most apt to pivot right now? But actually, the the pivot pros, the people who are the most skilled at this, you mentioned small experiments. They're not just running one. At any given time, the most adept pivoters, the most agile careerists, to use another term, are running experiments. Mm -hmm. And they're looking at the main part of their role. They're looking at any projects within their role. And a good pivot experiment will help answer three E's. Do I enjoy this? Is there room to expand? And do I want to or can I become an expert at it? If we're doing that, if we're in a continual state of experimenting, then when it does come time for bigger moves, they're less of a shock. Mm -hmm. It's less like doing a cannonball into the deep end of a swimming pool. And it's more like we're already in flow. We've already got different projects underway. And usually the projects develop a natural momentum of their own where they start to show you, hey, there's really something here. Serendipity starts happening. I say it's as if the universe is rolling out the red carpet. Yeah. Well, and also pivot. You know, if if I go back to my high school um, physics days, you know, there's the idea of momentum and, like you said, harnessing change. Um, but how do you know that it's really time to sort of make that move? Like maybe you've been having a blog on the side, or you know, you've been you know having an Etsy shop or something. But how do you know is the time to really say like, okay, this is where I press the gas? It's so individual for each person. I don't think there is one way. I would encourage everybody listening to reverse engineer and think in the past, how have I known for myself when it was the right time to go all in in a new direction? Because for me, it always starts as a tiny whisper. Like, you got to be kidding me. No, I can't possibly do that. And then the more I listen to that whisper and take steps and my courage increases a little bit and Someone once said to me, I think they said this to me about a breakup. They said, one day you'll wake up and you'll just know. Mm-hmm. Barring that, something I try to encourage people to release the need is that you you may not ever know. There, there may not be some big skies parting aha moment <laughs> where all of a sudden you're like, I woke up and I just knew that so much about pivoting involves, yes, we reduce risk by experimenting and seeing where the momentum is leading us. And sometimes we still need to bridge that final gap with a little leap of faith where we say, I am willing to take a risk and try. 
And the way that you know that you're ready for that is that no matter the outcome, it's okay. That you'd rather live with no regrets. Mm -hmm. I call it font, fear of not trying. You'd rather address that and try. And even if that first landing doesn't stick, you're willing to keep going and, and feel that aliveness of trying than staying in the same place. And as you said, that inertia going back to science class, yeah, yeah. an object at rest stays at rest. Sure, but not during a global pandemic. <laughs> I mean, soon enough, change will choose you. We yeah. all got pivoted and we've all bit, talk about the pace of change accelerating. In these last few years, we've all been dealing with massively accelerated change on a day-to-day -day basis within our roles, within our companies, within the greater economy than probably in the previous 10 years combined. We're going to take a short break. When we get back, what happens when you know something needs to change? You're just not sure what. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. and so. We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. We're back with the author of Pivot, Jenny Blake. Now, sometimes you know exactly what kind of change you want to make, but other times it's just a general sense of frustration with your day-to-day -day work or a persistent sense that this isn't it. So... How do you even know what your pivot should be? Here's Jenny. I do think our life gives us clues. And you can start to notice what gives you energy and what drains your energy. This, my friend Josh first walked me through this exercise. He has a company called Hashtag Love Work and an app that just be an observer over the next two weeks. Look at your to-do list, your calendar, the people you interact with. And even write down on a piece of actual paper or digital paper in your phone, be an observer, large and small, what is energizing you, what's draining you, and what's neutral in the middle. I even heard an exercise, someone who, after every meeting that they have on their calendar, they color code it, red, orange, or green, oh. based on the energy that it gave them, so that in hindsight, they can look and study what's energizing and what's most draining. And that data alone is often fascinating because you can start to see, even if you can't eliminate the drainers right away, you start to see themes and patterns. Mm -hmm. I also think this is where personality assessments come in really handy. 
some of us are major personality assessment aficionados. You tell us there's a quiz, we're taking it. (laughs) What I love about them is that they give us language. So I recommend creating one centralized document, could be a Google Doc, could be a Notes, whatever software you use, where you actually copy and paste all your personality assessment results, Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, astrology, numerology, doesn't matter. Because then you can start looking for themes there that might give you language to start to talk to other people about, I'm realizing the thing that really energizes me is this, or Mm -hmm. my biggest strengths are these. And then the question I ask, how can I do more of that? That's why it's called pivoting. It's not a 180. So looking at your current pivot portfolio or your current projects, where are those little pockets of hope, those little rays of sunshine that you could try to expand just a little bit? And I also love the question, you know, what do you daydream about? Yeah. I like to ask people, what podcasts are you most excited when a new episode comes into your feed or what topic makes you jump to go listen to that? What types of books are piling up in a certain large online retailer shopping cart (laughs) (laughs) or indie bookstore? You know, just, just kind of being a detective in your own life a little bit and letting that be enough and not trying to go from zero to perfect clarity because that level of pressure stops the whole process altogether. Yeah. And I, I really like the idea of what what are you daydreaming about? Because, you know, if if you're not captivated by what you're doing day to day, your mind is going to wander. And, you know, where does it wander? Or what I also tell people is, you know, when you're on TikTok, when you're on Instagram, you know, what do you find yourself sort of gravitating toward? Do you gravitate toward people who maybe are in the wellness space? Do you gravitate toward like sciencey things? Because I think there's you know, for all the ills that the internet can often provide, it could also give us some answers because it allows you to manifest sort of your daydreaming. And also what I also sometimes tell people is to ask your friends, what am I known for? What do I light up around? Because a lot of times they pick up on the things that you may not pick up on that of yourself, but they do. I love that saying, you can't read the label from inside the jar. Every single major pivot, I have definitely turned to a council of friends and advisors, and they often see things I can't see for myself. I also like asking, what are you the go-to person for among your family and friends? For me, sometimes it's even tech questions. Mm -hmm. What software are you using for X, Y, Z? And then also, what do people thank you for most often? You mentioned TikTok. Can you imagine if we had the power of the TikTok algorithm as applied to our careers, <laughs> as applied to pivoting? Can you even imagine? Because yeah, yeah. the TikTok algorithm is so deeply intelligent about what we don't even know about ourselves. Just, oh, where your eyeballs linger. And oh, that would be so interesting. I worry how that would work for me on Instagram because it would just tell me I, I want to be a golden girl or something like that. <laughs> and you know what? I was just going to say, I even believe that the TV shows we binge watch could inform us about our career. Well, then my mom, um, if that's true, she wants to be whatever they do on NCIS. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, she could be a criminal investigator in the Navy. For sure. (laughs) How do you actually sort of say like, okay, you know, I kind of have a direction of what I want to do. You know, I can't give up my career right now, but I want to do something. How do you start plotting to say like, okay, how do I actually make this happen? And like, what would you suggest are the first steps in sort of going on that journey and that path. So if we follow the pivot method, plant, the plant foot in the terms of a basketball pivot, plant, I would look at what strengths do you already have and what interests. Vision, what does success look like? Let's say you land on this unique Venn diagram of interests. Mm -hmm. 
what does success look like three months from now? So let's start small. It doesn't have to be a year out. Then the scanning stage is really people skills and projects. So in the example you just gave, I would be looking at who's doing this already, who's in your network that you could already talk to or even shadow for a day or an hour. Who could you learn from online? I love the idea of mentors from afar where you don't you don't have to ever talk to somebody to learn from them. And then skills, pivoting inevitably involves a gap. You are here and you want to end up there. Mm -hmm. So what skills would be most beneficial? Can you take classes? Again, like there's bite-sized micro learning from different platforms. How can you build the skills you're going to need? And then projects, again, I just go small. I joke that in the personal development space, it's always like, go big or go home. And my mantra is go tiny, (laughs) go even tinier. Can you create a little project or a little source of joy around this that isn't so big that the intimidation stops you altogether? Mm -hmm. And, you know, when it comes down to sort of making that jump, and I think we sort of work backwards, um, apologies for that. Um, But when it comes to sort of, okay, you find yourself in this new position and you've done this pivot. Yes. But in reality, you know, if you've done one pivot, you're probably going to have to make another one. And... Um, because most likely that's the type of person you are, where you're going to want to keep making changes um, as you change, as, you know, the world changes. So that way you are sort of in alignment with what you're doing and what you enjoy, right? I do think when it comes to pivoting and career moves, sometimes the grass really is greener. (laughs) There is a, a better role or company or culture fit that genuinely aligns better with our innate personality and where we're trying to go. So I do think that it's important to be in the right macro container. That's how I think of it. I have friends and colleagues who are still at Google to this day that I used to work with that have been there 16 years. And they have obviously pivoted so many times internally. Mm -hmm. But that macro container of the Google environment works for them. And I still work with Google to this day myself, just not in a full-time role. So the macro container of self-employment fits my personality and works for me. But of course, running my own business, I'm pivoting constantly, definitely the last few years. It's almost like they say that balance is actually all these little micro movements Mm -hmm. in our muscles that when it appears that a ballerina is balancing, she's got all kinds of micro adjustments happening in the moment to keep them in a a place that looks still. And so, yeah, I think it's good to be aware of that macro container that fits And as you said, to be prepared and to not be surprised when we do need to adapt and keep evolving. But I know what you mean. It's it's just so satisfying to tick a box that says done and and to feel accomplishment. So to that end, I would say also breathe life into the big moments. Pause. Celebrate. Acknowledge how much you have already figured out. Acknowledge how much you already have. And that can also take some of the angst and agita out of change as well to say, oh, wow, I myself five years ago, I never would have imagined that I am where I am today. And I'm not just saying me, Jenny, but all of you listening, <laughs> you, Andrew, to just celebrate who we've become. And before I let you go, I, I guess my last question is, you know, for people out there who they feel maybe stuck or they feel like, you know, everything's working out for other people and not for them. What would your advice be to them? Two things. One, if looking at what everyone else is doing, sometimes that alone is the problem. And and I don't mean to say that's 
the answer to everything, but you can put down the phone, put down the apps, close them. If you're at a point in your life where it is doing more harm than good, just step back. Take a social media sabbatical because we're not meant, evolutionarily speaking, we're not meant to compare ourselves to 8 billion people <laughs> at all hours of the day. And I've done it myself. I, I, I have too sensitive a nervous system to handle that because I so quickly go to that comparison place and it is the thief of joy. So that's step one. Just when you're in a vulnerable place and you're feeling sensitive and you might be feeling a little restless, step back from it. Mm -hmm. Part two it's really time to go inward and say, what do I want to create in my life? And also, sometimes it's so hard and we're back to the personal development police. But I do love the the question by Jerry Colonna, how am I complicit in creating the conditions I say I don't want? At some point, we do have to look within and say, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's time for me to say no to some things that seemed good in the past but aren't part of my future. So a, a huge part of pivoting actually involves saying no to something that is often good in order to say yes to what might be next. Yeah. And so I think that inward looking of regardless of what everyone else says I should want or what the media says I should want or what marketing and consumer culture says I should want, what is my soul calling me toward? Yeah. I think that's really great. And also, I think it goes back to what you said toward the beginning, where sometimes it is about sort of being able to live with consequences, too, to say, this is worth it. And, you know, obviously take intelligent risk. But, you know, I think that goes back to what you said earlier. And decisions are data. So we know an object at rest stays at rest. That's that feeling of stuckness, stagnation. But then an object in motion stays in motion. Mm -hmm. So once you shake things loose a little bit by <laughs> making that initial pivot, sometimes I, I call it an interim pivot or a leapfrog pivot. You know what you want two moves out, but you actually need to take some interim so-so pivot in order to get there. And that's okay, too. So when you make a decision and you actually do take that risk, it's, it's totally fine if it doesn't work out because you're in motion now. And the next change and the one after that start to seem a little bit easier than when we're just thinking about it conceptually while being stuck, stuck, stuck. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much, Jenny. Thank you, Andrew. I love all these questions. It's been such a joy to be back on the show with you. Big thanks, everybody who's listening. That was career coach and author of Pivot, Jenny Blake. Remember, it's up to you to put our advice into practice. Still, you always have a community backing you up and cheering you on. Connect with me and the Get Hired community on LinkedIn to continue the conversation. You can also join my weekly Get Hired live show every Friday on the LinkedIn news page. And if you liked this episode, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast. It helps people like you find the show. And of course, we'll continue this conversation next week, right here, wherever you like to listen. Get Hired is a production of LinkedIn News. The show is produced by Michelle O'Brien. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Iriando is head of original audio and video. Dave Pond is head of news production. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Andrew Seaman. Until next time, stay well and best of luck.